When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's recap the 49ers versus Cardinals game and take a look ahead at the Cardinals Bears while examining a few headlines in between. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Kelly Singh. The sickest Arizona Cardinals podcast. It's going to be sick. Welcome to Arizona's sickest Cardinals podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Singh, and I'm here with my bestie above all the resties, Donnie Druin, Cardinals beat reporter, SI.com. Welcome. How are you? It feels like the season has just flown by. I can't believe there's only three weeks left. It has been flying by, and I know you've been super busy because you're also covering basketball right now during this period, so I'm very grateful that you've carved out a moment for us. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, Christmas Eve, I'll be doing Cardinals coverage, and Christmas Day, the Suns play at home, so I'll be there at uh, at 8.30 local times when tip-off is, so what's sleep, right? What is sleep? I kind of know what that's like too. This weekend, I was at the LA Bowl at SoFi Stadium for work with my work and then flew home at like seven in the morning so that I can get in the car and drive to the Cardinals game. <laughs> I know. What a crazy lifestyle, right? Like chopping it up with Gronk on the field and then just 12 hours later catching the flight and, you know, chilling and watching the NFL game with your season tickets. With my season tickets. Because like you said, what is sleep? I have no idea. But I do know that this game was very overwhelming, first of all, to walk into as a fan. Um, We all know that prior to the Cardinals coming to Phoenix, you were either a Niners fan or Raiders fan or a Cowboys fan. The Cowboys game was overwhelming, but I think the Niners game was even more overwhelming um my seats are on the visitor's corner as it turns into the visitor's side so it was just wall to wall 49ers fans but I'm glad they gave out these flags because you were able to like spot your friends (laughs) right yeah all all 1000 of of the friends in the stadium um I I am and nobody should be uh not used to opposing fans coming in and uh, taking over State Farm Stadium. Uh, I think kind of like you said, it's just the the Cardinals haven't been here very long. They don't have a great track record of success. And you mix that on top of just a giant melting pot that Phoenix is in general with so many different people from so many different places, me being one of them. Um, you know, it, it's kind of tough to build like a like a really strong fan base following. Um, 
And I mean, let's remember too, I mean, like 49ers fans, I I really hate the term like they travel well, but I mean, they took over Pittsburgh yeah. in week one, which is a very, very hard thing to do. Like Steelers fans show out and show up every single week, regardless of the record. Um, so it wasn't shocking to me to see all those 49ers fans there, but I mean, um, media park in uh, the orange lot, and that's right next to the great lawn. And I'm, I'm pulling in and I'm like, Oh my God, like mm-hmm. this this is truly the closest thing we'll get to a game in Santa Clara. Um, so props to them, but wow. I mean, but yeah. between between that game, the Cowboys game, and then the Steelers game from two years ago, that's, yeah, that, that's got to be up there for top three worst invasions of the fan base I've seen. Invasion. I definitely enjoyed scoring first. So... Being able to score first really felt like, okay, this could be a game. And it kind of was, kind of, for a little bit there. I mean, the, for me, before we started talking, you mentioned kind of what you thought the turning point was at the game. For me, the turning point was when the defensive touchdown got returned because if we would have been able to keep that defensive touchdown I thought oh my gosh this is happening but it didn't so when was the moment for you tell everybody that you thought that the momentum changed you know that's actually a very good point too Kelly because like you know the the Cardinals if that touchdown stands um, you know they they draw themselves a little bit closer to the lead they really captured that momentum a little bit later in the game um, than my kind of like chosen turning point, which is the Kyler pick six, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with the few minutes left in the first quarter, uh, you drive down the field on your opening possession. Like you said, you score, you kind of throw that first punch to say, okay, we're here. You know, the San Francisco answer is right back and you know, they're driving, they get to around midfield. It's a fourth and three guy, you know, Gannon decides to go for it, which I'm a big fan of, you know, yeah. analytics say don't punt here, go for it. The, the risk reward really isn't there. Um, the play call was there. The execution was there. Kyler made the right read. He just threw it just a tad bit late. He hesitated uh, just a little bit. It gave the ball a nice little extra, like, you know, pump before he threw it. And I gave Traverius for just the right amount of time to break on the ball, sneak in there and kind of go from there. But I mean, just like imagine if the Cardinals picked that up, um, you know, they end up scoring on the the next drive. They take the lead instead of being down 14 to seven and, uh, momentum is a really crazy thing in sports, especially in the NFL world, especially whenever you're playing at home. Granted, the 49ers fans, you know, especially with the white uniforms, made that feel like a away game. But um, so that, that was kind of the point to me where it's like, okay, same Cardinals, the 49ers, the 49ers, and it's just going to be an uphill battle from there. And it was, it was an uphill battle all the way from that turning point. So, yeah, you just said something that uh, was part of a conversation I was having about the uniforms. So they chose red but as a home team we did we have first choice as the yeah. home team and we chose white mm-hmm. I, I i think to uh bring in a little bit of like christmas spirit i think it would be really cool if they were to wear white and then encourage fans to also wear white to the games yes. and have like a like a white out white effect. Out. i think that would be really cool that would have been really cool i agree because i was super curious as to why they chose the white but that makes sense that you know bring in some wintry feelings but the black is just so badass and i'm like well if they're wearing red we should be wearing black that's kind of what i felt but either way it would have been great to bring the fans in, whether it be a whiteout or a blackout, 
or something to that effect. I think that's probably why they did the flags too, because they knew it was going to be yeah. overwhelming and it would help us just to identify. I was pleasantly surprised how many flags I did see on the visitor side. It it did make it visually like, okay, we're not alone over here. <laughs> it was really hard to find fans because everybody's wearing red. That was the other right. thing. I know we were talking about that in the press box, like, at, at least they can say like there's like a red sea here maybe not their red sea but there's red here nonetheless that's true um kyler i felt like he there was some lackluster happening um but that might have just been me being irritated as a fan in the bench benches sitting up there watching thinking is this all we've got is this all we've got where is michael wilson why are we getting these long passes? What is happening? Michael Wilson yeah. felt super underutilized to me just watching. Yeah, he played over 80% of snaps and I, I, he didn't catch any of his three targets. But um, I'm glad he brought that up because I think that highlights a just an overall bigger issue is that like there, there is no formidable established talent in this Cardinals receiving core. I, I feel like I am the president of the Michael Wilson fan club. I right. think. Um, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a tremendous ad for exactly. the Cardinals. I think we're learning that Marquise Brown, whether due to output or due to health, isn't the alpha receiver they thought they were getting when they traded for him during draft day two years ago. Um, and then you just have a bunch of smaller guys in Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch, who, funny enough, were the only receivers yesterday to register catches. Right. Arizona's top three receivers, top three receivers in receiving yards were all tight ends. Jeff Swaim, Trey McBride, and Elijah Higgins, right? Uh, Moore and Dorch combined for four receptions for 20 yards, and that's it. Um, mm. And at a certain point, you have to look at it and say, okay, like these guys just, they're, they're not helping Kyler. They're not getting open something needs to change. So I, I see a lot of people talk about maybe bringing in T Higgins, although that would be quite the price tag to try to get him here. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is looking more and more like a Cardinal as as the days kind of creep closer to, to draft season. Um, Kyler needs help. And I, I am so yeah. happy Trey McBride is kind of evolving to the superstar tight end uh, that he's kind of building himself to be, but they're going to need other weapons if they really want to turn the sting around sooner rather than later. I really feel like Michael Wilson is going to be like that is the word generational um <laughs> he's a great wide receiver he and I I think maybe coming off of these shoulder injury and neck injury and what, whatever else if, if he can get back to full strength like he was in the first several weeks of the season he's electric he's he catches well, this game he didn't, but he catches everything. It felt like he's almost that George Pickens five where it's like right, just throw it up. Acrobatic, there. You know, he'll, he'll come down with it. Yes. Now, granted, like you, you do have to take this with just a little bit of salt because the 49ers have a tremendous defense, yes. and granted, they're missing two of their best players on the defensive interior. But I mean, mm -hmm. like their secondary is very much intact, and man, like they they really flex their muscles against the very inferior Cardinals offense. And I mean that that really showed the the gap in talent between what a Super Bowl contending team looks like and then the first year of a rebuilding football team. Right. I mean, that, that was very evident on Sunday. Um, speaking of defense, we don't have to, 
you know, belabor this too much, but the one play that really stuck out to me was the Christian McCaffrey touchdown where he was wide open, completely unguarded, fell down, got up, and still nobody in sight. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Gannon talked about that after the game. He just said it's coaching. You know, obviously our guys weren't in the right position, so that that strictly falls on coaching. But I feel like the problem is, is one, there's always been a a lack of talent on Arizona's defense that went even further after Kaiser White uh, got hurt. I mean, after White, uh, went to injured reserve. It just really felt like this team didn't have anybody besides yeah. Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Um, I mean, but like even looking at like the the first touchdown they scored when Debo Samuel was wide open, Debo said after the game he was like, "We were doing this play in practice all week, and I didn't think I was going to be this wide open." And Kyle was like, "No," like Kyle Shanahan was like, "You are going to be wide open," and he's like, "I didn't think it was going to work, and it, it it worked." So it just, um. Astounding might be the wrong word, but like, there's so much to like, yeah, fine tune and fix. Sure. And I, I guess the good news is that like, if you're at rock bottom, there's only one way to go, right? And it's up. But here's the thing, and you've said this to me before: like, the score doesn't tell the whole story. You actually wrote a great article about um, it was either an article or a tweet, but about the rebuilding year and how this actually. Um, is what a rebuilding year should look like. There are successes in this, all of this mess. There are still so many bright lights and successes to be happy about as a fan. So, a hundred percent. I think um, this year was definitely about just getting their feet wet, earning their stripes. And like, you have to think it, it's um, not necessarily a young roster, but like a first time head coach, a first time general manager, um, the youngest coordinator in the league with with Nick Rallis looking to defense, Drew Petzing, a first time OC too. Mm-hmm. A lot of inexperience. I mean, they were down Kyler Murray the, the first half of the season, um, stripped the roster, you know, trimmed a lot of the fat off of it. This was always going to be a down year, despite what Jonathan Gannon tried to tell us before the season that they were going to try to win as many games as possible. It was always going to be about playing hard and kind of evaluating and figuring out who's going to stay, who's not, and really just kind of getting this thing to ground zero to build it back up. And mm-hmm. I feel like with only three games left, we can honestly sit back and look back at, at the the beginning of the season and say, the rebuild is going exactly how they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're playing hard. They're gaining respect around the National Football League for what they're doing. Um, obviously the talent isn't there, but like they're going to have around $70 million in cap space when they roll over the 11 million from this year, six picks in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks like for the first time in a very long time, there's a competent person running the show in Monte Austin for it. Um, th- there's plenty of reasons to be excited if you're a Cardinals fan moving forward into the future. And, um, I think the next three games, Kelly is going to be very big just for evaluating guys on the roster. Um, you know, maybe trying a couple new things now that they're officially eliminated from the postseason. Um, I, I think these next three weeks are going to be very, very big for the Cardinal staff and the roster, um, even though they're kind of playing for pride at this point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I still think what, what was said, Gannon said, I think we're going to try to win as many games as we can. I, I think there hasn't been a game that they haven't necessarily gone out there and, and done their best. I mean, there are games where like, whoa, what happened? But then there are games There's like There's one game and it was when Clayton Toon started in Cleveland, but like that was that was set up to not be great from like day great. one. Yeah. Right. 
like there was there no was... coming back from all the injuries on that day and it like it was and like pardon my french but like when you when you think about the perfect like shit show yeah. of just things culminating together there was, was no it. shot anybody expected the cardinals to win on that day which is unfortunate but i agree right. every other game they're at least until like halfway to the third and the fourth quarter you're like okay well like they're mm-hmm. still in this like despite being underdogs every single week sometimes even like double digits they're hanging around they they are hanging yeah. around and they're a tough team and um you look at some of the other coaches that were hired along with Gannon. you know last offseason frank reich has already gone um you know shang steichen is still kind of you know earning his stripes um Sean Payton in Denver with a roster a lot of people thought should make a deep playoff run currently out of a playoff picture. Interesting. Okay. Um, so I, I don't want to say Gannon was like the best hire of, of the cycle, but I definitely see why Monty Austin for won the weight and maybe even illegally contacted him before he should have before actually hiring him. We won't talk about that. <laughs> Well, I think the only other things that I wanted to talk to you about briefly, have you heard any more news since you um, published your article about Marquise Brown and this uh, salary? Because he's coming up the end of his rookie contract. So there's talk of the franchise tag. Um, I'm just looking at my notes because you had a sport track currently had Brown's market value at 14.8 million, which sounds like it could be too much for us. However, the franchise tag average for wide receivers is projected to be 21.6 million. So where does this kind of leave us with Marquise Brown? I think Marquise Brown by the week, and this is no slander towards him sure. whatsoever as a player or as a person. I really enjoy interacting with him. I really do root for his success. It's tough to justify any of the numbers that you just put out there just because when you're looking to get paid, you need two things as a receiver. You need health and you need production. Mm-hmm. What two things have the Cardinals not gotten from Marquise for one reason exactly. or another he, he he just hasn't he hasn't produced when on the field and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and it's incredibly frustrating for him it's incredibly frustrating for the team I haven't heard anything just in terms of whether or not they want to bring him back on a franchise tag I know a few weeks ago um the Arizona Republic's Bob at McManahan spoke to him and uh Brown confirmed that they were still engaged in contract talks both sides seemed like they wanted each other back but if you're Arizona, a lot of people have been throwing out like the, the Christian Kirk deal whenever he got signed by Jacksonville, the, the four year, I think 72, something like that million. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to imagine Marquise Brown getting that now, uh, oh. unless he just comes back and goes on an absolute tear the last three weeks. And it, it's just, and I know guys get overpaid every year. And I know the market kind of resets itself as the salary cap grows, but with Marquise and his current situation, um, if even the fourteen point eight million is kind of seeming like a lot right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the whole Christian Kirk deal, Christian Kirk also accounts for like twenty five percent plus of the targets 
um, and is able to convert on those targets. So yeah, there's a big, big, big difference. When we I think you need to look to of like where the two respective guys are at too, because whenever Kirk got paid, Kirk was a little bit younger and Kirk was almost like ascending, right? Kirk, Kirk was seen as, okay, let's get this guy locked down. He's going to improve year after year. Whereas Marquise, he's still pretty young. just in terms of general outlook. Uh, but he's a little bit more established in his career. He's a little bit more, he's like got his stripes a little bit more on him. Um, so when when you look at potentially paying Marquise on a four-year or maybe even like a three-year deal, it's maybe a little bit less enticing than what the Jaguars did with Christian Kirk because you saw, okay, Kirk is young. Um, he's not quite like a wide receiver one, but you know we like what he is and we really want him. So we'll just throw this money at him. Yeah, makes sense. Well, last topic I want to touch on coming up is Cardinals in Chicago versus the Bears. Um, I feel like this is winnable. You brought up uh, some of your thoughts on Justin Fields and the Cardinals. So let's talk about that. How do you feel about the Cardinals heading into Chicago next week? This is definitely a winnable game. I, I do feel like the Cardinals should be able to feel confident going in, into this game um, because for as much talk as there's been about the Cardinals not being all that great, uh, Chicago is right there too. Um, you know, there, there's a reason why, granted, their number one pick is courtesy of the Carolina Panthers right now. But, I mean, there's a lot of talk. Everybody thought the Cardinals were going to have two picks in the first um, you know, three or five, that's, that's going to end up being Chicago now, um, you know, it's just due to their poor play. Um, the same conversations we had about Kyler Murray last year are the same conversations happening with Justin Fields next year. Oh, sorry, not next year, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's an athletic quarterback with a handful of okay guys around him, but it's not the slight DJ Moore, but as outside of DJ Moore, there's not a whole lot of like studs on that team. Um, it really feels like after the season, Chicago is going to clean house with their coaching staff, maybe even front office too. very similar to the, what the Cardinals did last year. It's just, it's, it's so odd seeing the similarities between the 2023 bears and the 2022 Cardinals, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like roster and winning the game. I think it could play into Arizona's favor considering the weather. And I know that sounds weird for a, uh, dome team heading into the windy city, but I mean, Arizona put up 234 net rushing yards against a very talented 49ers defense last week on the ground. Um, there is no reason why they should not be able to control the clock and really wear that Bears defense down over the course of four quarters. And I, I think if you're asking me, um, there's no question Kyler Murray is the, the more talented between him and Justin Fields. So I think they have that advantage there. Um, it ultimately comes down to defense and Arizona's hasn't been great, but Chicago's hasn't been like standout either. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a coin flip for me at this point. Yeah, me too. At least we know it's going to be fun to watch. It'll be a good game. And that's what we love about football. <laughs> good might be well, good is one way to describe it. I sure. I mean, competitive. If if you want to put like a tinfoil hat on, you could say that both of these teams might be trying to secure a draft position. Uh, so, you know, is, is this the Caleb Williams Bowl that we're watching? Is this the Marvin Harrison Jr. Bowl? I don't that we're believe watching? that. I don't believe no. that. One bit. No. <laughs> I'm not. I am not into that conspiracy, sir. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate having you on each and every time. Tell people where they can find you, Donnie. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter or as the cool kids call it, X at Donnie Drew and then follow our work at allcardinals.com or si.com slash NFL slash Cardinals. Perfect. And you can find me at Kelly and Phoenix on the app formerly known as Twitter. Until next time, uh, let's go out there and cheer for our guys. They're going to do the best they can. Go Cardinals. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Kelly Singh on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.